Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. We've talked about, like, we don't want to approach God in prayer through this uh, my head down, tail between my legs kind of neglect uh, way. We don't want to just approach prayer through, uh, God, I respect you. That's limited. Um, We don't even want to approach God and approach prayer through this lens of, like, rejecting. God, I don't know what you're doing. I want nothing to do with you. Uh, We really want to approach prayer through this idea of connecting, right? Prayer is an invitation to connect. Uh, This silly little hand gesture where I talked about the six-fingered man from Princess Bride that Justin doesn't like, and I'll be unashamed in saying it's one of the top 100 movies of all time. It's not my favorite, but it's up there, right? Six-fingered man helps you understand... Uh, or it's just a little gimmick in remembering six points of this prayer. Six points of this prayer that we're breaking down through the series. And it starts with the Father. So we've said, uh, because it's an invitation from the Father, it reinforces this idea that I'm loved. That you are loved. That God approaches us as a loving Father, and you can know from the start of your identity, from the core of who you are, that you are loved by God. And our Father is also King, right? He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. There's no kingdom without a king. So our Father is King. And as sons and daughters of the King, He also calls us ambassadors. He also, he also sends us out on behalf of the King, on behalf of the kingdom, so that when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, like we're, we're not just asking him to drop out of the clouds and establish that. We want to be a part of bringing that. So Father means I'm loved. King means I'm sent. And now we're going to move into the Father King's provision. Today, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, in, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're going to talk about Matthew uh, 9, 11, or 6.11 today. Give us today our daily bread. This is the Father's provision. We talked about the Father's heart and the Father's kingdom, and now we go to the Father's provision. This is not asking God to set us up for life. Jesus says you should pray, give us today our daily bread, not give me today my daily mansion, right? He does that sometimes, but we start with, will you meet my needs? Will you meet my needs? Not, will you make life easy? There's a huge difference, right? God, will you take care of me? Will you take care of me? And it's not a beggar's prayer. It's not going to God and saying, please, please, will you take care of me? Let me lay out the reasons why you should take care of me, why I, why I can make a case to you that I'm important enough for you to take care of me, you to meet my needs. This is our Father, our loving Father. Lots of us have had dads that are not uh, the picture of the loving father. You ask your dad for something and he doesn't even want to hear it. This is not true for God as father. Father loves us and wants to give. 
He says, you know how to parent with your kids. When your kids ask for something, you don't like say, go away. Like how much more God, how much more perfect a parent is God? And so we, we, we pray, God, will you take care of us? And he's already said, yes, yes, child, keep asking, keep asking, keep coming. I love to give. I love to provide, and I want you to continue to ask. The father who has a kingdom offers provision, and he wants to. We don't have to convince him to just give crumbs. He gives abundantly. Now, this is true for us as individuals, and this is true for us as a church, as a community, right? You can go to him. Justin and I are seeing this, and we just... We said, God, will you make this the most abundant year yet in the life of Damascus Road? Not would you help us get by. Would you make this a year that we have, that the response is nothing but God did this. We have a story to tell of God showing up over and over and over and over. And we're going to celebrate along the way and we won't stop celebrating in a few weeks, we're actually going to have what we're calling Celebration Sunday. When we did this last year, looking back, you know, the list that Kevin read through of all that God has done in the last year, we want to take a morning just to say, God, wow, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate who you are and what you've done in our midst and how we're growing and all that you have done. We have so much reason to celebrate. And we believe that he will continue to provide. We're not going to cower and we're not going to fear. We're going to trust. So our response, our response when we look in the face of a need for provision is first gratitude. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have given. Is generosity in response. There's an invitation from and toward joy. I will give because I've been given. Jesus, Jesus has a conversation in Luke 21 where he's watching people give. It says, uh, Luke 21, verse 1, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, and she gave out of her poverty. She put in all that she had to live on. And I don't think she was giving out of a poverty of spirit, right? She's showing the people that look like they have abundance, they're giving this much. They're actually, they're living more from a place of scarcity than she was. She was living abundantly because she didn't have what we would call much, and she gave out of that. She continued to give. Jesus says, that's right. That's right. It does not matter how much you give. It matters what God is uh, doing in you and inviting you up into. And is it coming out in gratitude and generosity? If you have been given much, give much. If you have been given what's called a little, give a little. And it's still 
significant. Gratitude and then this generosity-joy combo and then an expectation for what God is going to do. We pray for God's provision. We're praying to our Father who delights in giving. We need Him. If I could sum up this section of the prayer with the look up child kind of uh, language. Say, look up child. Trust me. And join with me. Your needs will be met. Let's pray. Father, you are amazingly generous to step back sometimes and just get a glimpse of all that you have done in and through us. As you continue to open our eyes of ways that you're generous um, with all kinds of people, would you continue to call us up into you so that we can be transformed to be more and more like you in our character, in our heart, in our gratitude, in our generosity, in our joy. May we delight in you. May we expect you to show up, not in a flippant uh, way that you would actually bow to us, but because you call us to expect that you don't change, that you continue. Would you give us that faith? Would you help us to walk with you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I think God loves answering prayers like that and answering, uh, providing in places like that. So we have a father and we have a king who loves to provide and wants us to ask and just delights in giving. We have a God who shows up personally and corporately in the community. And then we've talked about how God's provision often comes through people, right? Oh, and I would say God's generosity often comes through sacrifice. It's not just, um, like sometimes giving hurts. Sometimes giving hurts. And it goes all the way back to the character of God. Like he'd never ask us to do something that he isn't already doing. Like God gave his son so we could become daughters and sons, right? God gave, and that was an incredible sacrifice. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Like God, God gave, and he's not like, oh, I just gave the ultimate sacrifice, now I'm done. Now it's your turn, right? God gave, and he continues to give. How will he not graciously give us all things? Everything that we need is at God's fingertips. And he says, yes. I'd love to do it, even when it means sacrifice for him. We can trust him, even through struggle. God is generous. And he calls us as a people to imitate him. He calls us as individuals and as a body to imitate him. If God is generous, he calls us to be generous because we've received. If God gives cheerfully, joyfully. He calls us to do it as recipients, then we become givers, right? And we don't do it with our scraps, because God doesn't do it with his scraps. We do it 
out of who we are, out of the abundance that God is giving. I had this, I think, really important conversation uh, with a good friend this week where, quite honestly, I was struggling with some scarcity stuff in me. Like, will I have enough? Will I continue to have enough? Will I be taken care of? Like, are we going to make it? Those kinds of things. My friend challenged me, and through the conversation, what I started to hear from God was, this goes all the way back to your identity and how you see yourself. If you're living from a place of scarcity, that's how you'll live. If you see yourself as not enough or not having enough, then you'll live according to that way. And it was just this complete... My ears wrapping around hearing something different to say, oh, that's just not true. Like, I am enough. Not because I'm really great, but because he's given me enough and he's built into my identity enough. And he says, live out of that. Live out of abundance. Like the song that we sang this morning, all of you is more than enough for me, right? Is more than enough. So I can stop looking through the lens of scarcity, and I can see abundance. Not just positive thinking, but real, true thinking because of who God is and who he's made me and what he calls me, right? And he calls me to imitate out of who I am because of who he is. Sometimes we recognize that we've been seeing through a different perspective. Can I tell you a funny story? Sort of connects. Thank you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. Our middle child, Lucy, is in fourth grade. In her school, they do a Halloween parade. And they invite the parents to come and go see all the kids in their costumes, right? So I wanted to show up. I've got lots going on. Everybody's got lots going on. We don't even need to say that, okay? So I'm scheduled for a, um, like a video conference call. And I thought, oh, I can just do the video conference call on my phone instead of on my laptop in the office or wherever. I can do it on my phone. And so I, had, uh, I showed up to the parade about an hour early and just walked back behind the school where I knew they would be coming. There's a hill out there. And I had um, earbuds and I had my phone and I was ready to go. It was a little chilly, so I was wearing a hooded sweatshirt. I put the hood up. Um, you guys already see where this is going, right? I'm sitting on the edge of the playground. Big black hoodie over my head uh, with my phone out like this. And the kids get released for lunch recess, and they come out with the teachers. One boy comes 10 yards from me. He waves. I wave back. I'm like, this is great, whatever. Uh, and then I was like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't be here. And so I get up. And I start walking away from the playground, and there's like a school forest. So I just go take a walk into the woods. And I'm, I'm walking around in the woods on my conference call like nothing. Nothing is wrong. This is a great day, brisk. I love it. My hood's up. Like, and then I hear something. I was like, is that somebody calling me? I don't hear well, one. I got earbuds in two. I'm on a call. Like, I'm all distracted. And I look up the trail out of the woods back toward the school, and it's the school principal looking down at me, and he's clearly talking to me. Um, and it's not like the, hey, buddy, how, how you doing? 
he had a look like, uh, my call is going to be over now. And so I muted my call, took the hood off, earbuds out, walked up to him and said, hi, <laughs> I'm just on a conference call. I'm, you know, like waiting for my daughter's parade. He's like, did you check in at the office? Sure didn't. Nope. And the police officer is walking across the field. (laughs) And he gets up to me and he's like, so you're the troublemaker, huh? (laughs) Yes, sir, I am. I'm good. We're good. It was okay. It could have gone way different, right? It ended up okay. I had no idea something was off. Some of you are like, you're such an idiot, right? (laughs) I had no idea that something was off until I got the privilege of seeing through other eyes, right? Like teachers on a playground going, wait, who's that guy? What's he doing? And a principal and a police officer who are there to protect my daughter and doing their job well. So I like thank them. Anytime there's a stranger, you thank you for coming up and talking to them. And then I went and watched the parade and it was all good. And I told my call, you guys, you will never believe what just happened. And they just all laughed at me like the fool that I am, right? Here's why I tell you this. Sometimes when we look, when we look at certain things, we're looking from one perspective. And it's a little bit askew, or maybe a lot askew. And I think we can come to God's provision with a warped view, that either Either it's just we pray and it's going to fall out of the clouds, maybe, and God's going to like throw provision on us miraculously. Like we don't even know how it showed up, but it's here and look at the piles, right? Or we think God wants to be stingy and he's just, he's just making us beg for little crumbs. Or somehow that I'm not a part of this process, that God isn't doing something in me in discipleship in following him along the way. And I just want my eyes adjusted. I want your eyes adjusted. I want our eyes adjusted to who God is calling us to be because of who he is. And we can do that in trust, and we can do it in generosity, and we can do it in cheerfulness. And God shows up. In the Old Testament... God set up a way for people to grow in following him in a couple of different ways. He established what he called the first fruits. So he says, I'm taking you out of Egypt. Someday I'm going to give you a land that's all your own. And when you plant crops and when you have animals and whatever you have, I want you to take your first and I want you to give it to me as a sacrifice. I want you to give it away, not like the tail end if you have enough. I want you to take your first as a declaration of joyful trust and give it to me. If, you're, if you have livestock, you take the first best one. If you're uh, bringing in crops, I want you to actually take the physical crops and do it. If you're making money, I want you to take the first of that that you get and I want you to give that as a sacrifice to me because if something happens in you when you stop clutching and worrying about whether or not you'll have enough and you say, my God provides and I'm going to declare it, and I'm going to live like it. So he established first fruits. He also established what he calls the tithe, which literally means tenth, right? There's no mystery around it. It literally means a tenth. I want you to give, God says, a tenth 
of what you've been given. And you can say, I made this. God says, I gave you what you have to make it. Right? All of who you are. I did that. And I want you to give back as a declaration of trust. In Malachi 3.10, he says, bring the full tithe, the full tenth, he says, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. This is the only place in the Bible that I'm aware of where God says, put me to the test, right? When Jesus is tempted uh, in the desert by Satan, he actually quotes scripture that says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Right here, God is giving us permission to do it. He says, when you trust me and when you bring your tithe in, I want you to do it and I want you to be bold and test me that I won't for sure take care of you. You won't bring your tithe and then come up empty. You won't, you won't bring your tithe and then scrape through life. You will be provided for. You may hit struggle, but good, glorious struggle. You grow through struggle. And then Jesus took that first fruit and the tithe idea, and he sort of blew it up. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul is writing from what he's learned through the teachings of Jesus. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I, I don't think it would be the right side to make a case that he's saying, if God has told you to give 1%, then that's really good. I think he meets you where you are and he helps grow you. But I think a strong case can be made that he's saying, don't let the tithe be your ceiling. Don't let 10% be the top of what you give and then you're just done. Continue to grow. Continue to grow. That's why a number of years ago when we as Damascus Road said we got to start to give 10% of everything that comes in, we got to give it away. We also said we want to grow in generosity and we've added a percent every year. And so 2019, we're planning to give away 15%. And we're always, we'll never give less than 10, but we want to grow in generosity. Each one must give as he, has, he has decided to give in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we trust God and we follow God. Now, I'm going to have a conversation this morning. I'm going to invite Kevin up in a second. If you're, if you're uh, part of the DR and you're on the email uh, list, you got an email from me this week just to say we're going to have a family conversation around where we're at and some kind of current realities uh, as it lines up with God's provision, right? We as a church need God's provision. I love how we are growing to follow Jesus and share life and love our neighbor, how that is growing and becoming more and more a part of us. And I hope that you can sense the excitement. I hope that you can sense God doing something that he's not done, that we're not finished, that it's growing that God is doing something here in our midst, in us and through us, and we need his provision. So I'm going to invite Kevin to come up and share just about some current realities of where we're at.
Thanks. Hey, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Kevin Fountain. I'm an elder here at DRC. Thanks, Joe. Get it? Yeah, there we go. Um, I'm an elder here, and I'm the treasurer for the church. Um, and, and some of you may have seen the email Shannon sent out. Some of you may have not. Um, obviously, in that, it states we've, we've got some challenges ahead. But, but before we get to those challenges, right, I just want everyone to set, this, set that aside, put that out of your mind, for a few minutes, because we've got a lot of good things to talk about as well, okay? And I want to celebrate those properly before we get to the challenges. So um, with that said, 2018 was a good financial year for us. Um, we finished the year with right around $64,000 in the bank, which is fantastic. Um, we have said for a long time our goal is to get three months' worth of expenses in the bank, 64,000 is right at two and a half months of that, so we're not quite to that three-month goal, um, but it puts us in a good, healthy spot. We've always said we want to get to that three months just so that we're being financially responsible so that we can get through tough times if they're to come up and whatnot, but we have no intention of going beyond that three months, right? DRC does not want to be a bank. If we ever get to that three-month goal, then that just allows us to be even more generous beyond that. So... End of the year, we we're at two and a half months of expenses, 64 grand in the bank. That's fantastic. God's been really generous with us. Um, and as Shannon alluded to earlier, we did give away 14% last year. So altogether last year, we brought in $322,000. So that means we gave away $45,000 last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with that, as Shannon mentioned, since 2014, when we decided to start giving 10% and then growing that, um, at this point over that time period, we've given away $223,000. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, and I'll just run through a list of some of the things that that, that money's gone to. Um, different organizations are different things that money's done. Um, and it's not an all-inclusive list. This is just the things that came to my head as I sat down and spent a few minutes thinking about it. So we've given money to International Justice Mission, Dress Simber, Training Leaders International, Youth with Mission, Converge, Serenity Home, Living Hope International, the River Food Pantry. Um, we've developed a relationship with um, believers in Senegal, as we talked about earlier today. We're currently sponsoring a pastor in Senegal. Um, we've provided for Syrian refugees um, African missionaries, we provided transportation for them. Missionaries have been trained and sent out. Churches have been planted. Women have been moved out of violent and dangerous situations. UW students have been discipled. Health issues have been cared for. Christmas gifts have gone out to needy children around the world. That's awesome. Um, and like I said, that list could go on. So once again, before we talk about challenges, right, I just want us to recognize all that God's done here. Um, I think it's really important to remember those things, and it makes attacking those challenges easier, right? We've got to remember all God's done through us and in us. So with that said, talking about 2019, um, as most of you know that have been here, we've gone through numerous transitions over the last year or so. Um, with that, you know, we've lost some numbers, numbers people-wise. Obviously, with that, giving has, um, well, giving looks like in 19, it will be lower. So right now, going into 2019, 
Our expected expenses are about $26,000 a month. Um, as we look at what we project for donations, which can be really tricky, um, to be honest, we're, we're projecting that donations should be about $21,000 a month. So that's $5,000 a month that we'd be short. Obviously, that's not sustainable in the long term, right? We've got this money in the bank. That'll get us through for a while. Um, so with that said, over the next few months, we want to really pursue God, pray, um, asking for his provision, um, and know that, yeah, as Shannon alluded to, for those of you that have been around DR for a long time, we've been much broker than this before. <laughs> so if that helps at all, um, God has done a lot in the past to provide for us, and we expect that he'll continue to provide for us going forward. Um, another thing to know is that we do have cuts we can make to the budget to get us to that $21,000, right? So we'd be breaking even with $21,000 coming in, $21,000 going out. Those cuts would be painful if we have to implement them. We don't want to implement them right away. Like I said, we've got the money in the bank to take a few months to pursue God, to try and grow giving and whatnot to address that. So that's what we intend to do. Um, we've said that as an elder team, we've agreed that if that money in the bank gets down to $25,000, that's when we'll implement those cuts. So when, if that happens, we'll do those. And those cuts look like... Um, We'll stop paying all the staff except for Shannon and Justin. So Shannon and Justin are two full-time pastors. They would remain with the salary they've got. No worries there. Um, you should know we've decided not to give them raises at this point for 2019. That's something we try to do annually. At this point, we're going to hold off on that. But So Shannon and Justin would remain paid, but the rest of the staff that are paid, none of those are full-time. We've got some part-time paid staff. We'll, we'll stop paying those folks to get that budget down. And then the other thing we would have to do, that 15% that we're talking about giving, we'd have to pull that back to 10%. Um, we obviously don't want to do those things. Um, we want to pursue God and his um, provision for that in the meantime. But, but that is the plan if we get to that $25,000 in the bank. Um, so that's the situation right now. If, you, if anyone has particular questions or wants to discuss that with me further at all, Definitely feel free to grab me after service or um, find my email on the website. Uh, well, it's Kevin at DamascusRoadChurch.com, right? So you can remember that. So feel free to shout with a question that way. However you want to reach out, I'm happy to talk about this with any of you. And uh, that's it. I want to go back into the Old Testament. In Daniel 3, there's this incredible story where King Nebuchadnezzar is uh, just a maniac with ego, and he's setting up all these rules uh, where people have to bow down and worship him and worship statues of him. And there's these three young guys who follow the one true God that say, we're not going to bow to anybody else. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying, we won't bow to Nebuchadnezzar. We don't we bow to God, we don't bow anywhere else. And say, no, you don't understand. We're not saying please, we're saying do it or die. And they're like, yeah, I think we understand you. We're okay. We're not going to bow. And they say, we're going to throw you in a, uh, in a furnace. Okay, do it. Their response 
is incredible. When they're being told the news, like, bow or jump into the furnace, they reply in Daniel 3, 16 through 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You know why they don't need to defend themselves? Because they know God does. Like, they know their identity. They're not living from a place of scarcity. They're living from a place of abundance. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Like, (laughs) okay, so throw us there. God's bigger. He can save us. He's able to deliver us from it. And He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if He does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I just love the boldness. I don't think that they're being snarky. I mean, everything is on the line here, right? It says, bow or die, and they say, no, we won't. And God can save us, and God will save us, and then they do this weird thing. And even if he doesn't, we're all in anyway. So there's like this mystery in confidence, right? We don't get to call God's play. We don't get to direct God. We don't get to say, if I say it, then it will be. Like, God follows our commands. We say God can save us. We, we expect that God will save us. We say that fully with confidence. And yet, even if He doesn't, we're all in. We're not turning. We're not going away. We're not running. We're not going to cower. We're not going to be timid. We're not going to bow. We won't bow to anything or anyone but God. And I think that applies to us here. As we move forward as a church, we won't bow to money. And we won't bow to a lack of money. We won't bow when things look like everything has been provided for and when it feels like they're a little bit scarce. We're going to find our identity in God in who He is, in His character, who He says we are, and we're going to live out of it. Because He can save us, He has the means to provide for us, and we really believe expectantly that God will. Justin and I were praying a couple months back, seeing some of these, uh, what looks like trends coming, or what could be possibilities that jump into reality. Justin and I are seeing this, and we just... We said, God, will you make this the most abundant year yet in the life of Damascus Road? Not, would you help us get by? Would you make this a year that we have, that the response is, nothing but God did this. We have a story to tell of God showing up over and over and over and over, and we're going to celebrate along the way, and we won't stop celebrating In a few weeks, we're actually going to have what we're calling Celebration Sunday. When we did this last year, looking back, you know, the list that Kevin read through of all that God has done in the last year, we want to take a morning just to say, God, wow, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate who you are and what you've done in our midst and how we're growing and all that you have done. We have so much reason to celebrate. And we believe that He will continue to provide. We're not going to cower and we're not going to fear. We're going to trust. So our response, our response 
when we look in the face of a need for provision, is first gratitude. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have given. Is generosity in response. It is an invitation from and toward joy. I will give because I've been given. Jesus, Jesus has a conversation in Luke 21 where he's watching people give. It says, uh, Luke 21, verse 1, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box, and he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, and she gave out of her poverty. She put in all that she had to live on. And I don't think she was giving out of a poverty of spirit, right? She's showing the people that look like they have abundance, they're giving this much. They're actually, they're living more from a place of scarcity than she was. She was living abundantly because she didn't have what we would call much, and she gave out of that. She continued to give. Jesus says, that's right. That's right. It does not matter how much you give. It matters what God is uh, doing in you and inviting you up into. And is it coming out in gratitude and generosity? If you have been given much, give much. If you have been given what's called a little, give a little. And it's still significant. Gratitude and then this generosity-joy combo and then an expectation for what God is going to do. We pray for God's provision. We're praying to our Father who delights in giving. We need Him. If I could sum up this section of the prayer with the look up child kind of uh, language, say, look up child, trust me. And join with me. Your needs will be met. Let's pray. Father, you are amazingly generous to step back sometimes and just get a glimpse of all that you have done in and through us. As you continue to open our eyes of ways that you're generous. Um, with all kinds of people. Would you continue to call us up into you so that we can be transformed to be more and more like you in our character, in our heart, in our gratitude, in our generosity, in our joy. May we delight in you. May we expect you to show up, not in a flippant uh, way that you would actually bow to us, but because you call us to expect that you don't change, that you continue. Would you give us that faith? Would you help us to walk with you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.